All right, Steve-O's, finish with the coffee. Hello, my name's Paulie Herman. I'm from Jersey. Our <laughs> Would you like to touch my monkey? Touch him. Love him. Carol! Why does everybody think I'm the homo gang? The present married to Jackie Kennedy? I have no idea, Pat. Was he not tall? What are you eating? I stick my hands under my arms and then I smell my fingers like that. You like the juice? You like it? Hey, I don't know, George. Do you, mm. What do you think of Loquisha, the juice we we clearly uh, suggested we were going to watch this week? I hope there's one person out there who listens to our podcast, and then he gets to the end of the podcast where we always talk about what we're going to do next week, and then he diligently watches whatever the fuck we say, and then the next week he's all pissed off. He's like, wait, Mango Part 2? I feel like anybody who was enough of a fan of our podcast would much prefer us talking about Mango Part 2 than whatever the fuck Loquisha was, which, for the record, it was my pick. And then I watched five minutes of it and was like, fuck no, it's the necessary roughness of problematic racist comedies, which is to say really fucking boring, so we're not going to watch that. Yeah, you did what I should have done with necessary roughness. Uh, so what was wrong with it? I, did, I, don't, I didn't even watch the trailer for this, so I know nothing about Loquisha. But... It's, well, one, it was, it was like, I don't even think it was shot on film. I think it was like shot on video. And it was like, you know, one of those like indie movies that's like a modern indie movie, which just means like no budget and shit. It just looked really shitty. And I was like, I don't want to watch like an hour and a half of this shit. Yeah, those, yeah, sometimes if it has no production values and it's a shitty movie. <laughs> that should sentence should speak for itself. I was about to say, yeah. Sometimes if it's a shitty movie that's like racist with low production values, it's hard to sit. Of course, it's hard to fucking sit through. Why are you watching it in the first place? So you did finally. This is episode what, like three hundred and sixty-eight. You finally made the right decision. Well, the funniest part is, uh, I I wa- finally watched Oppenheimer. Because I was, we we're doing our best of episode for my other podcast, so I was like, I gotta watch fucking Oppenheimer. It might win the Oscar. Uh, and then I was like, Oh wait, that's right. I gotta watch Loquisha. <laughs> and then it kind of like informed my decision a little bit. I was like, You know what? After watching three hours of a movie, which is not my favorite movie in the world, but production value wise, very well made, I'm not gonna watch Loquisha. I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, alright, so, uh, where are we now? Okay, so this is what we're doing now. It, it's part two of Matt. You couldn't keep away from Mango, could you? Look, I, and I know we can make the joke about how addictive Mango is, because that's the character, but I'm just gonna say it, real, like, in terms of the real-life series of sketches we lost, watched last time we did this, a couple weeks ago, genuinely, I want more Mango. Yeah, I did, uh... To, to recap our episode from a few weeks ago, we watched like 10 mango sketches and surprisingly came away going, I mean, luck is more positive than negative. Like, there were a couple in there that were stinkers, but like, I didn't, I don't think I hated any of them. 
No, not only did I not hate any of them, some of the, like the David Spade one wasn't great, but it was fine. Like nothing was bad. And I appreciated the variety of them. Like, like unlike most recurring sketches, the thing we always talk about hating about recurring sketches is they're the same fucking thing over and over again. I, I, I appreciated that, and I'm assuming uh, it was Chris Kattan writing these, he tried to do something a little different and a little more novel with each one. Yeah, because, you know, like I said, the, the first three are exactly the same, um, but we only watched one of them, so we got a break from that. But yeah, he goes into different things. It's more of a, a character rather than a recurring set piece, because, yeah, I, I hate, like, I hate recurring sketches, especially the ones that are like, like coffee talk. Like, what's your favorite coffee talk? When she's sitting on the couch talking about shit, or when she's sitting on the couch talking about shit? Yeah, I don't think Mike Myers ever thought like, like what is what is Coffee Talk Lady's mom gonna be like? Let's let's meet her or anything like that. Like you know, with the Dana DeVito dad sketch, you know, as much as like we're a pro, I'm, at least I consider us to be a pro Julia Sweeney and pro It's Pat podcast. I appreciate the movie for to try to do weirdly. Uh, I don't think she was like really intent on like refining that character beyond the initial joke. Whereas I feel like Chris Kattan was with Mango. Uh, yeah, it, we should do Pat. I think like. That would be a, that's one on my list of if we want to do this again of either two partners or just tap out when we're tired of, of watching them. There were some Pat sketches that got a little, like, got a little weird. But it was always Not that the I same remember, joke. but I mean. Yeah, I mean, I get, well, I would be curious, I guess, but I think we, we keep the model in mind of we can give up if we agree to give up. Because I think we're going to give up on that one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, I I might be uh, singing a different tune after we watch the rest of these mangoes. But uh, there's there's diff- multiple jokes to mango. It's not always the same thing. It's kind of the same thing because it's the same guy in the same shorts. But it's a little different every time, too. Just the humor of it. I guess we're well, just talking like in every, circles you know, until we get to the first one. It's like Larry David's character in Curb Your Enthusiasm. Every episode is about a, you know, a curmudgeon that everybody hates and treats like shit, but it's different scenarios every time, you know? Yeah. Uh, There there wasn't the repetition uh, aspect of it. Um, And it was surprisingly interesting to watch. So this is part two. Uh, Last time we tapped out with the Danny DeVito. So we are starting with, I think this is the 11th. Appearance of I Mango. believe it's is it is it Ben Affleck I think Ben Affleck is the uh, is the first one. Uh, this is yes. from I meant to load this up. This is from like two thousand one, so this is like right before it gets like bad to be Ben Affleck. Uh, and I I am a, a staunch defender of Ben Affleck. I'm not going to say every movie he's made was great, but I always like him and stuff, even in bad movies. I think he's charming. And I, I really like him as Batman. I didn't like his Batman movies, but I like that casting. And uh, I'm, I I consider this a pro-Ben Affleck podcast. Uh, yeah, I like Ben Affleck. He's, and he's a good SNL host. I've, I've, liked him. I've enjoyed every, every one of his SNL episodes when I come to think of it. Uh can't remember what oh no i do remember what he's doing in this mango so this is from february 19 2000 the episode hosted by ben affleck it is the 11th peering appearance of mango are you ready to push play i'm ready when you are no right, yes mango it, it's me ben affleck ben who's like what who is it 
I mean, uh, hey, uh, it's me, Matt Damon. Oh, Matt Damon! Hi! How did you get this? Uh, uh, listen, uh, I, I gotta see you, man. Come to my apartment at 8 o'clock. I'll send a driver to pick you up. See you then. You are so awesome. I can't believe Okay. All right. All right. And we're back. Um, and what what you think of that mango? Well, I can't wait for next week, Joshua Jackson and NSYNC. We, we've uh, already watched uh, one sketch from that episode. Wasn't that the blackface Chris Rock episode? That was the episode where Jimmy Fallon dons blackface. That's right. Was Jimmy was Jimmy Fallon playing a real guy, or was this just a bad imitation of like a generic E spokes guy? It has to have been a real guy. That was my first question. So this this uh, installment of Mango opens up at the premiere of the Ben Affleck movie Reindeer Games. Where Jimmy Fallon is playing... Was it? Did they say Reindeer Games? I fucking missed yes. that. <laughs> that was kind of weird, because like I said, this was uh, this episode was from 2000, and so this was Ben Affleck promoting Reindeer Games, which I think you could probably point to, that's the start of like Ben Affleck's getting shitty now. Wasn't Geely like right after that? Because I think Geely was e- either 2001 or 2002. I feel like it was like the one-two punch of Reindeer Games and Geely that did it, which, again, I don't agree with it. Still like Ben Affleck, but yeah, I think that was it. Yeah, and I think you got, like, Paycheck and Surviving Christmas in the Middle, or, like, around there as well. Like, he had, like, a, a string of, like, shit flop movies in a row. Yeah. I'm not saying they were wrong to condemn him. I'm just saying I wasn't among them. Yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> It's just kind of funny that this episode starts with, oh, it's the big premiere of Reindeer Games. And, uh, we spent a little too much time here. I think it was just a little too much Jimmy Fallon. Cause he's, yeah. Well, not just Jimmy Fallon. There's a whole thing with fucking Cameron Mannheim and Bruce Valanche, the two most random. Unless was that a thing? Did they appear at an award show at some point and they were referencing that? Or was that just... Chris Kattan literally like, I want to write something to force a fucking Daryl Hammond to wear a pretty extensive Bruce Valange costume. Well, I mean, you say extensive. But <laughs> I mean, that's, they had to go, that to was glued on his Bruce face. Valange, you need a curly wig and a beard. <laughs> you need like, like fucking that, that spirit gum to glue it on your face. <laughs> like true. that's a... He had to rip that off for his next sketch. You need some beard adhesive, I'll grant you that. (laughs) But I don't. It's not like Rick Baker level makeup to make. But I'm just saying for what it for what it added to the sketch. Did you need Bruce Valanche in the sketch? No, that's what I'm saying. If you didn't know this was a mango sketch, it's like a minute and a half. Not probably about forty five seconds to be honest. But it's a while before Mango shows up. This is just like a sketch that takes place at the Reindeer Games premiere. Uh, and yeah, Jimmy Fallon's playing this reporter, and he's like, yeah, nobody likes me, and so there's self-deprecating jokes about this e-news reporter. Even if this is based on a real guy, how could you expect me to know who the fuck this is? It's an e-news it? reporter. Was it in the last one of these we did? Was it David Duchovny, maybe? Where there was, like, another reference similar to this to, like, another, like, entertainment news guy? What? No, Matt Lauer was in that. 
No, Matt Lauer, but wasn't there, maybe I'm thinking of a different episode altogether where, like, they went backstage and somebody was oh, talking to somebody. yeah, that was Jim Gray. But that was Yeah, but that was else. a real guy. Yeah. But that well, that wasn't one of the Mango sketches? I'm, I'm kind of No, that was one of the Mango sketches. That? Yeah, I thought it was David Duchovny when I, yeah, it was like, you know, hey, dude that I don't know. And it was just like a whole reference. So maybe that's just Chris Kattan's thing. He likes to make fun of entertainment journalists. Well, maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess. Because, yeah, this... We, we uh, got Jimmy Fallon interviewing Horatio Sands as Cameron Mannheim. <laughs> and again, just so fucking random. Like, I guess... I don't know if the practice was even still on at this point. But, like, why is it Cameron Mannheim as opposed to anyone else? 2000, I think that's peak Cameron Mannheim. That's... It's so mean... To have Horatio Sands just walk on in a dress and be like, I'm Cameron Mannheim. <laughs> but it's also just so fucking funny. It was too quick for me to really register it and laugh at it. Like, I, if that had been in, like, another a sketch where, like, that there was more to it, I might have laughed. But it was just so jarring. I was just like, what the fuck? Why Cameron Mannheim? Well, it's just, like, it's weird that, like, in 2000 you were just... We, we did that all the... Horatio Sands, that was his shtick. He would just come on as Rosie O'Donnell. And it was just like, I'm Rosie O'Donnell. Like, there's no impression. Keenan Thompson did the same thing, too. And, I mean, you just... I don't think you can do that anymore. I think if a big fat guy dressed up as a big fat lady on SNL, it would, it would, be, would it be controversial now. I'm sure it still happens. In fact, I'm sure Keenan Thompson, who remember is still on the show, probably still does that shit. No, no, he gave up. He gave up uh, wearing dresses. Now, it's oh, the did he opposite. officially? I know he talked about it. I thought he. I didn't think he actually did. No, it he hasn't appeared in drag since I think season thirty-eight. So it's been it's been over ten years since we've seen Keenan in a dress. Um, but now it's the opposite way. Now all the ladies play the guys. Yeah, and you know what? Nobody ever fucking says shit about that. I mean, I don't. I'm not doing like a reverse sexism thing. Like it's just as bad when they do it. But it is weird that like it's never even mentioned as a possible problematic thing. I know, and it, like it's just weird. Like I don't think it's problematic. Like I, I think it's but, rude. I don't think it's problematic for Horatio Sands to play cameraman. It's not. Pro- it's just. It's not wrong. It's just fucking rude and mean. Um, but like. Now we look on that as, as something like that can't be done. In 20 years, are we going to look at Kate McKinnon as Rudy Giuliani and go, what the fuck were you doing? Like, it's just, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I because, I mean, we've talked about this at length with our, uh, our classic Homer and Eddie episode in terms of, you know, and I mean, many times of just, you know, appropriation. But there is a, it's just weird that there isn't even a discussion now you know, because there's some things where it's just like, yeah, why would there be? Who gives a shit? But we said the same thing back in the 2000s right. about shit like this. There was no discussion then. We were just like, that's so hilarious that Horatio Sands is in lady clothes. But, uh, but yeah, I, the Ben Affleck thing, I, again, I like Ben Affleck. I liked oh, him right. in his sketch. Mango shows up in this sketch, too. Mango shows up at some point. <laughs> we spent too much time talking about Cameron Manheim. Uh, there was a Wang joke because he's wearing Wang, but it's Vera Wang and not his Wang. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, that was good. Um, and then, uh, so the premise of this Mango sketch is Mango hypnotizes Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck falls for Mango. But Mango is only interested in Matt Damon. So Ben Affleck 
has to appear or pretend to be Matt Damon, which I was a clever joke because if you remember in 1999, Matt Damon was in The Talented Mr. Ripley. So that was probably like in theaters when this episode was on. So it's like a double whammy. You got Ben Affleck doing Matt Damon, doing The Talented Mr. Ripley as Matt Damon. It's just like a couple different levels of like, oh, that's, that's clever. No, it was, and I I did pick up on it because I was like, oh wait, the talented Mr. Ripley. I wonder how long ago that was relative to this episode, because uh, I couldn't remember what year, but I knew it was. If this was two thousand, that was like at least ninety eight, ninety nine, and I was like, oh, that must be like current. But then literally the next scene is a True Lies reference, which is like five, <laughs> six years old by that point. I thought that too. I was like, yeah, talented Mr. Ripley. That would have been a very relevant reference. Okay, now they're just doing two True Lies. For no reason either. It's just a, a random reference, which some of these have. I mean, remember David Spade and him drove off as Thelma and Louise. They did the bodyguard with Dylan McDermott. That's just another little layer of manga. Like, I, or maybe it's just Chris Kattan. He just likes movie references. Well, and, and for for what it's worth, it it works in the context of the sketch because it's that scene in True Lies where he's in the shadows and in this case he's in the shadows because he, he doesn't want Mango to know that he's not Matt Damon and he's asking him to strip for him and you know that sort of the stuff so I mean it, that reference works for what the sketch is trying to accomplish and it's obviously it's a great scene in its own right it's a, a classic Ben Jerkoff scene in a film with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis um just throwing it out there because nobody's gonna fucking challenge me on that. <laughs> well, wait, what are they challenging you to? <laughs> Did you not jerk off to the fucking scene oh. in True Lies where Jamie Lee Curtis dances for Arnold Schwarzenegger in the shadows? I, okay, I'm sorry. You're... Did the world not jerk off to Jamie Lee Curtis dancing in the shadows? No, I was just confused when you said nobody's going to challenge me on that. You're... Oh, do you mean like, you thought I meant like challenge the veracity of it, like maybe I'm lying, maybe I didn't jerk off to that scene in the no, movie. I, oh, now, I thought that's what you meant. Now I'm thinking, I, I thought that you were like, no one's going to challenge me to like a jerk off competition over the Jamie Lee Curtis and True Lies. <laughs> like, yes, I no. will challenge you on that, sir. We'll both jerk no. off to it together. Many people did, and I won every single one of them. <laughs> Uh, were you at all? Because now we're getting we're getting into a little bit of Mango character development here. Well, we do. We've already established that Mango is straight as a fucking arrow. But were you confused at all during this? Because Mango wants to meet Matt Damon. Ben Affleck pretends he's Matt Damon. Mango goes over to Matt Damon's hotel room and starts stripping for him. Were you confused over like, well, what is what? Why is Mango here in the first place? Does he want to have sex with Matt Damon? No, not at all. Well, because I was happening then. Remember, we watched all the previous Mango sketches, so I feel like I understand Mango on an existential level that maybe you haven't achieved yet. But Mango is not a sexual being in the same. The thing is, you're falling for the the trap that all the other people that become obsessed with Mango is. They only reduce him to a sexual object. They fall in love with Mango, but their conception of love is not on the same cosmic level that Mango is at. So they just they just kind of translate it to sexuality. They just want to fuck Mango because that's all they understand. And then a lot of them are straight men that are questioning their sexuality as a result of that. So like that's what you know Ben Affleck. All he can think to do is pounce on him and try to hump Mango. But that's not what it is for Mango. It's not a sexual thing for Mango. It's just he is Mango. That's what he is. That's what he does. The stripping for him, I don't think, is sexual or romantic. I never, and that never occurred to me. That's just what he does. He's Mango. 
It's true. In retro, I was just I was a little confused by watching it, but now in retrospect, during that scene, Chris Kattan he's acting a little nervous because Matt Damon has the lights off, and Chris Kattan's like, "Hey, what's what are we doing? What's going on?" And then when he says "strip for me," he does it. But now I'm seeing. Oh, he was just doing that because he is a stripper. So he's like, oh, well, maybe Matt Damon's a fan of my work. Sure, I'll strip for you. This is what I do. Yeah, it's, it's as natural to him as breathing. He's Mango. Exactly. Uh, and then when Ben Affleck pounced on Mango and said, I gotta get a slice of man- that Mango pie, you bitch. That was all the very bitch, good. The bitch is what punctuated it. Because again, it's like just it for him. It's just dirty and sexual because he's not on the same level. And I like that. I like that element of this. That you know, the the uh, the the elevation of this as beyond a sexual art form. I think that's a funny recurring bit of the sketch. Yeah, uh, so that's all I got for that one. Anything else about the Ben Affleck mango sketch? Well, just the, and then the other layer of the joke, which is that his impression of Matt Damon is like putting his buck teeth out and moving, putting his ears out like he's just, this is my best friend and he's an ugly fucking goblin. That was fun. Does does Matt Damon have big giant ears that jut out? I guess I've never noticed that. No, but here's the weird thing too. I don't know if you ever saw, well, I mean, I know you saw Team America, I'm sure. Yeah. And you know the joke in that where that Matt Damon's like mentally challenged. Yeah. Oh, Matt Damon. There's a famous thing where like Matt Damon was talking about that, and like that gave him like an existential crisis where he was like, "Is that what people think of me? Do they think I'm like mentally challenged? Like I don't understand it." And then they talked to the South Park guys, like, "No, it was just a random joke. It could have been anybody. We just thought it'd be funny if one of them was just said their name, and it was kind of kind of retarded." Well, I always... like, but it really caused him to question himself. And Ben Affleck's sort of doing that version of Matt Damon. Yeah, I always heard the story as they got the Matt Damon puppet, and it looked so <laughs> dumb that they were like, "Oh, okay, the one will make a joke out of it." Like it was an that might have been thing. it, yeah. Um, but it wasn't that they thought Matt Damon was that or anything. Like it wasn't like an impression that was meant to say anything about Matt Damon. But Matt Damon didn't know that, and he was like kind of freaking out about it. Yeah, the puppet was shittier than they intended it to be. So I think they made a joke about it. Uh, I am looking at him now. He does have he does have some substantial ears. But I just I think thought it was funny that like because this I'm fairly certain this was before Team America. This was pre Team America because at one point I thought I heard Ben Affleck say Matt Damon unless maybe that was you in my. <laughs> no, I think it was him. I, th- okay, I think yeah, I heard I, the same thing. Okay, I heard it. I heard Ben Affleck go Matt Damon, but that was three years before Team America. Which is because yeah, it's it's got to be pure coincidence, but it's just a weird fucking coincidence. Okay, I will try to isolate Ben Affleck saying that and drop a clip of it if it exists. If you hear no clip, then we're both high. Okay, but if you find that, I want you to intersperse that just randomly throughout the rest of this episode. <laughs> no rhyme or reason, just anything we say. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, all right, so at, coincidentally, was it? What well, happened? Been coincidentally, uh, our next mango sketch uh, stars Ben Affleck's uh, future wife Jennifer Lopez. Oh, okay. From February tenth, two thousand. Didn't didn't Matt Damon ultimately do a mango sketch? Uh, Matt Damon is in a mango sketch. Yes. Oh, okay. I I vaguely remember Matt Damon and Mango together. So I th- I thought so he wasn't the host though. No spoilers. It's a surprise cameo. Thanks for ruining it. 
Sorry, I ruined the whole episode. I was going to surprise everybody with a juicy Matt Damon cameo. Once we got to the Gwyneth Paltrow episode. But we already got a, a, a Matt Lauer cameo, and didn't we have a few fucking uh-ohs in the last last batch? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and we got a Cameron Manheim cameo in this one. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to watch, I guess, Jennifer... I, I don't know that I'm going to like this one as much. I'm not a Jennifer Lopez fan. I will say, uh, as at the beginning of this podcast, we were talking glowingly about Mango. I have seen all of these mangoes. I don't remember, uh, I don't have, you know, specific memories of them other than there was a point where I was like, enough fucking mango. So that's what I'm curious about is now that we're at the tail end. Remember, chronologically, these are the last five mango sketches. There has to be a, a diminishing quality to them. Well, I mean, if it's not this, I believe you did say Ellen DeGeneres was in one of these as well, right? Yes, I remember that one being very bad. Um, but we'll see. My memory could be hazy. Uh, all right, so are you ready for J-Lo? I'm ready. Push it. Jennifer, 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 what's going on here? What's the problem? It's this dancer. He's awful. Awful or great? Awful. Now get out of here. <laughs> I know every casting director in town. You'll never work in this business again. Sorry about that, Jenny. He's my son. <laughs> Listen, I think I got just the guy for you. He's, he caught his act at a, at a wonderful little strip club called Beefcake. It's a male strip club. I went there by mistake. Long story, okay? <laughs> But anyway, I just fell in love with him. Come on out here, Mango. Sorry, I'm late. I was just getting acupuncture on my hoo-ha. Mango, Mango, listen, mm-hmm. listen. We don't have a lot of time, okay? Okay. You, can you do this for me? Yes. Can you? Mm-hmm. Okay. You good? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right, everybody. Let's have places. Let's have places and let's settle and... And we're back. Uh, All right. I did not like that one, but I did laugh very loudly twice. But nothing mango related. Well, slightly mango related. I mean, it's a mango sketch. Everything's mango related. I didn't hate it. I, I... I appreciated, again, the fact that it was something different and it was conceptually weird. And every time it was kind of losing me, there'd be a weird random old man in a limousine or fucking... Uh, was, she, was he supposed to be uh, Diane Warwick or Aretha Franklin? I don't know. <laughs> Tracy Morgan as Aretha Franklin. <laughs> speaking of speaking of dudes in dresses that are really insulting to the people they're playing. Again, I understand why we don't do this anymore. I get it. Cause it's rude. But But it's like like we wouldn't laugh like if we watched an old like Al Jolson video of like him in blackface, we wouldn't be like, Oh, isn't it hilarious that we don't do this anymore? Like we would just be appalled naturally. But we're watching this and we're like, Yeah, it's gross, but it's fucking hilarious. Just this Tracy Morgan just in a dress on stage going, Eat a pink Cadillac, thank you. <laughs> That's his journey. And everybody's like, Hey yo, us divas gotta stick together. Thank you. Thank 
much. Thank you so much. Well, our next diva is... Hey! Stop fighting! Stop fighting! I just, you know, the the weird, awkward part about this sketch was the end. Well, let's just get to the premise. Uh, the premise is uh, Mango and J-Lo are just natural enemies because they're both divas and you, there's only room for one diva in this town, I guess. Yeah, we start with uh, a J-Lo music video. Chris Parnell is the backup dancer, but he's, he's, not, uh, he, he's not doing well. So they fire Chris Parnell. The replacement is Mango. This was all good. Will Ferrell as the director explaining how he met Mango. Yeah, I met him at a uh, male strip club at Beefcake. I was there by mistake. Long story, but anyway. Which <laughs> I want to point out too. I thought of this. I thought this before, and we weren't sure. The name of the place did change. It was like it was Hot Bodies in the first mm. sketch, and then it became Beefcakes. But it's the same thing, just a different sign. Maybe in the first one, but I, I always remember them saying Beefcakes. But uh, this, uh, I'm just gonna throw this out here, and I don't know how relevant it is to anything, but this made me think what the Mango movie would be if they ever did a Mango movie. Uh, remember like when he's, he's making love to the camera and they cut to the people in the stands and everybody's going mango, mango, like they're all zombies. I think what you do is like being there where like, like mango gets more and more successful through unintentional hypnotism. And eventually he's on the verge of being president and it becomes like people think it's like a conspiracy and they're trying to take him out. Cause they think it's like a, like a Greg Stilson from the dead zone kind of thing. <laughs> Only with mango. I love when, uh, so Mango is the replacement dancer. He starts dancing, and Daryl Hammond randomly with one line of the thing is like, man, he's so great. He's he's making love to the camera. And then you cut to Mango hypnotizing the camera. Finally, we're getting a POV shot of what David Duchovny saw, what Cuba Gooding Jr. saw, what Ben Affleck saw. We're seeing that. He's looking right down the barrel of the lens, hypnotizing the audience. And I, I gotta admit, I, I fucking fell for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to have sex with Mango right now. I don't know. <laughs> I fucking shoved my laptop up my ass trying to get closer to Mango. <laughs> no, I, I, again, this, because I am appreciating the world building of Mango as a character and as a, as a series more than I ever thought I would at the start of this, I didn't hate this sketch nearly as much as I might have if I was just sort of watching it cold uh, with not without the, the, the setup of I'm really liking the Mango character. Yeah, I, I think I remember watching this. I remember this one not working for me at all, but I think it was just because it was in the Jennifer Lopez episode. And this is a weird one because I think this is the wrong way to watch these SNL sketches. We weren't intended to watch 15 you say wrong. <laughs> I feel like it's it's so wrong, but I don't want to be right. But like this act, this is weird. It, this works better for this character because when I'm watching a shitty episode of SNL and then Mango shows up halfway through, I'm like, "Fuck you with your fucking Mango!" But fucking five Mangos in a row, I'm like, "Give me some more fucking Mango." 
But more than that, I am invested in the story arc of Mango. And I know it's not going to amount to... I know that we're not going to get an ending to this where it's like, and that's what Mango was about all along. But <laughs> so I want it God nonetheless. God closes the book on Mango. <laughs> the end, question mark. Now, I know we're not going to get that, but I want... You know, like, we kind of got some weird closure on Rob Schneider's characters because his last appearance was, like, you know, kind of referencing the fact that, you know, he was, go- he was leaving the show. And, like, the joke was, like, hey, remember this character? Uh, was it Sensitive? No, it was Orgasm, orgasm Guy. guy. <laughs> uh, and it was like, yeah, remember Orgasm? And the joke was that nobody cared about Orgasm Guy. I want the last Mango sketch to have some kind of finality, but I know it won't. Well, I believe the last Mango sketch appeared in Chris Kattan's last episode. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, SNL Archives. It's season 20, and then season 28, Chris Kattan is still a cast member. Okay, no, he hangs on for one more season after his last Mango sketch. Fuck, Chris Kattan, man. Know when it's time to leave a room. Well, okay, one, I will say, you know, I was always a fan of him on the show. You know, if you watched I, I his think... last season where he doesn't do Mango, that's did the he do thing. Mis- Chris did he do Mr. Su- Peepers? I'm sure he threw a Mr. Peepers in. Because I'm saying the next one of these has to be Mr. Peepers. Uh, Chris Kattan did 16 Mango sketches and then stayed another year. Like, he was there long enough to go, I can't do a 17th Mango, right? Well, that's and something in this sketch really kind of gave me an ick factor with Chris Kattan. Not about him personally necessarily. Well, there was another fucking case of the not gays, no homo bit in this, which you you wouldn't pick up on it watching these like episode to episode, but watching them all in a row, like this is now like the third or fourth time he's been like, "I'm not gay. What are you talking about, gay?" But uh, was that in this one or was that wait? Oh yeah, he did say why did he say why did he say that? Because she she mentions his that he's still go shopping at the women's section for his oh, clothes. Oh, okay, yeah, because this has the line that I use in the theme song of our "And We're Back" episodes, where Chris Kattan screams, "Why does everybody think I'm the homo gay?" But yeah, I, it. But the thing that gave me the ick factor was I remember the interview he gave about how he got his neck injury, and it was a pratfall in a sketch on yeah. SNL. Yeah, and in this sketch, this- he has like. No, not this one, but he he has, like, some pretty fucking severe pratfalls. Like, any one of them could have been that injury. I know it, hap- I d- it didn't happen to be any of those, but, like, I feel like they were just as violent as the one that ultimately did him in. Uh, no, he, uh, he has pointed out the sketch that caused his neck injury. Uh, and it's a Golden Girls for you. It's the worst fucking sketch, too. But just, I think he, like, fell over a table wrong or something, right? Yeah, he just, like, fell down. I, If I'm remembering it correctly, he just, like, falls. It's sad to make fun of a neck injury, but he just, like, falls down for no reason whatsoever. And, like, he did, uh, like, fucking so many pratfalls on this show. But the fact that he hurt his neck on that one, like, it's just kind of, you know, weird God's practical joke on you. No, for the record, I'm not making light of it in any way. It's really sad. I just I, it kind of gave me a weird feeling watching him do these pratfalls in this sketch, knowing that you know would happen to him later. Yeah. Well, he's a physical comedian, but yeah, he takes a uh, J Lo pushes him into a vanity, and the glass breaks. And when that happened, like I'm 
I'm sure I, it was like sugar. I fast. audibly gasped. But yeah, but like, was it? Like, if it was staged and that was supposed to happen, like he was gonna jump into it and break the glass, it was beautifully staged because I thought it was real. But I think it was real. I think he broke that mirror on stage and then like ran and tackled Jennifer Lopez. Like, that's fucking dangerous. I feel like it's just as likely to have been either fake and planned, or he's just such a professional that he was like stayed in character and like fuck yeah that that makes it better. Yeah. Um, all right. So I want to talk about like three things about this sketch specifically. One, Chris Kattan had a tendency uh, when he was with the hot ladies on the show to get into sketches where he pawed them and groped them and uh, rubbed all over them. In this sketch, he slaps J Lo on the butt multiple times and then grabs both of her gives her a titty twister yeah no i well that's the famous uh, jim brewer story one of my favorite stories that he tells about norm mcdonald and chris Kattan and the twilight zone sketch uh yeah but it's not totally related to it well i guess because he was well, on pamela anderson yeah yeah he was like macking on pamela anderson through the whole sketch and then <laughs> norm mcdonald like tries to cock block him like hey do you know chris Kattan's gay did he tell you he's gay yet as he's trying to get in on pamela anderson it always strikes me as icky um i just i didn't like it because it goes on for a long time that that was my problem with this sketch is that it's fucking long like there's so many beats to it um, and I think it was J-Lo was holding it down a little bit too for me, but, um, he wrestles with J-Lo for a long time and then they like cut to another scene and then they, they wrestle again. Like there's, I, you know, Chris Kattan just wanted to fucking grab a handful of J-Lo, which, hey, yeah, no, no power to you. Sure. But it's gross. And, and yeah, you mentioned the J-Lo of it. I just, I don't know what it is. I've never liked J-Lo as an actress. I, I always think she brings down anything she's in. I've, I've never really got the appeal. And yeah, she kind of... If this had been anybody else, I probably would have enjoyed it way better. Yeah, I've liked her in like three or four things. But then I've disliked her in way more than I've liked her. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is just... <laughs> so, when Mango becomes bigger than Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> to, to demonstrate what is happening to Mango's success. We get Mango's music video, or not music video, Mango in a recording studio with Horatio Sands and Jerry Minor as his backup dancers. I'm dropping a clip of that in here because it made me fucking laugh hysterically. Mango's here and he's here to say, get out of here, I'm going downtown. Go to a store, so let's rock it now. Hey, get out of here. Every bed you take, every move you make. Hey, rock it now. Which I know why they are dressed like Mango for our benefit. <laughs> They're dressed like Mango. But why are they dressed like Mango in the studio? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but yeah, and just the the shittiness of the the purposeful shittiness of the song. It's literally like my name is Mango, and I'm here to say. <laughs> Uh, that made me laugh hysterically. Uh, and then they they have a long, like, Mango music video where it's just Mango in a limo, which they put to, like, cover a set change because they're... They, again, the thing I love about these Mango sketches 
multiple sets. You don't see that on the show anymore. They don't do these kind of epics like we're traveling with a character through like fucking five locales. I, they just don't do it anymore. I, they don't put, put in that fucking effort. Because um, they're lazy as shit. Because, yeah. yeah, they're fucking lazy. I, I, but well, no, I, this and this was a, a Madonna song. Wasn't that music, I think is what the song's called? Yeah, they're parodying music. Um, but it's Mango. Mango makes the whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, and I, I think to defend the show a little bit currently, it's like they do more films. They didn't do a lot of films back in this day. That's so, not a defense of SNL. I know. That sucks. It, it, it does suck. Like, I understand why it's like, oh, well, if you have a sketch that takes place in multiple things, we'll film it because it will be easier. But, like, there was something cool about There's something cool about these mango sketches where I'm like, no. they're fucking going, like, they went five different places in this fucking sketch. And this no, is live. I, this is live television. I mean, I don't condemn the digital shorts era, which is still ongoing uh, completely, because obviously they've had filmed sketches throughout the whole run of the show, but it was something special. It was like every couple of episodes, you might have one. Or maybe you had like a cast member, like a Ben Stiller or somebody like that would like just kind of do that stuff. You know, Ben Stiller didn't work out, but I think that was kind of the plan for him. And, you know, like, like I don't know. It, it should be a special thing. Now it never feels special. It just feels like a lazy part of the show so that they didn't have to be live. Yeah. But it's fucking I, Saturday Night Live. I know. And that, that's there's just, there's just a little joy I get when I see a live sketch that has, like, I was like, I know. And this is the 12th Mango sketch. And they're putting this much effort into it still? Uh... The other thing I loved was when they get to Divas Live, first you get Tracy Morgan as Aretha Franklin, but then they cut to the audience and they use stock footage of Lorne from, like, the Canadian Music Awards or something, or, like, the Emmys, probably, where they just see Lorne Michaels clapping in the audience. And this was a weird one, because they referenced, like, a bunch of stuff, like, TRL and storytellers, like, real things... And then Divas Live, I guess, was a real thing. That's the only one I didn't remember was an actual thing. Oh, yeah, they did it like... Well, the first one... I remember this. It was VH1's Divas. The first one was like Cher, Tina Turner, and it was like uh, Aretha Franklin, Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, and it was like big event because you had all these like famous female singers who were like, you know, divas and appropriately hard to work for, and they were working together. But then they kept doing it to the point where they were like, uh, Elton John, he counts as a diva. So they put him in there and they're like, uh, how about Peppa from Salt and Peppas? He counts as a diva. Like they you know, ran out of names for Divas 7. I will, I refuse to denigrate Peppa from Salt and Peppa. Uh, I was thinking about that because uh, they were talking. I, you know, they were talking about like uh, Taylor Swift had a big concert movie this year, and Beyonce had a big concert movie this year. They were kind of competing, and I was thinking about it. Like uh, on the radio, there was a uh, a Destiny's Child song on the radio recently, and I was like, you know, I don't think anything Beyonce has done since Destiny's Child is better than anything she did in Destiny's Child. And Destiny's Child was just a poor man's uh, TLC, and TLC was just a poor man's Salt and Pepper. There hadn't been anything good in, in female R&B sphere since Salt and Pepper. Specifically, just Pepper. Well, I mean, what a man, what a man. That that's a great that's a great '90s era R&B song. Yeah. I don't think any any fucking Beyonce song lives up to that, does it? Uh, <laughs> sure. 
I don't. I'm just saying. I, I just say maybe maybe it's a hot take. I'm just saying Beyonce not as good as Salt and Pepper. I think I'm too tired to yes and that, so now I just yes. No, I demand you expand <laughs> upon my point. All right. Uh, okay, so are you ready for Mango Sketch number thirteen? Oh no, I just wanted to talk about one other thing, which is that there's a random old man in the limo in the, oh, in the sketch. That what the good. fuck was that a reference to anything or was that just a random old man i don't think it was a reference to anything again that is just like a it's a brief little music video just mango sitting in the limo it's to cover a scene change uh and that's really the only joke in it but i laughed really loud when mango is like he's with two ladies and they're all dancing and then you cut to just a very old man drinking some champagne but no, I just, and I love it because it's that kind of random thing that I don't think you even get on SNL much anymore. That thing that, like, most people aren't going to laugh at. They're just going to question, like, why is that there? But at, that's what makes me laugh at it even harder. Yeah. Uh, I thought that could have been more fun. But I mean, I laughed hysterically at the old man. But yeah, I just, my patience was growing thin with that mango. Was it very long? Yeah, it was long, man. It's, it felt long, at least. Maybe that's because I wasn't I, I enjoying know. it as much. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, short mango sketch, long mango sketch, I just want more mango. That's true. All right. So are you ready to jump into, uh, from May 19th, 2001, Mr. Christopher Walken. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The 13th appearance of mango. All right. You ready? Yep. Mango, I just want to tell you that your routine tonight was really very good. You're so good. Tonight, when you came out in a policeman's uniform, I got scared. I thought someone was going to get in trouble. But then, when you took your pants off, I realized that you'd fooled us all. Well, aren't you nice? Well, I just like you so much, Mango, and I like you so much, and I know I'm just a janitor, and you're mango and everything. But I thought, I don't know, maybe sometime we could... Oh. Thank God for you. You are my anchor. <laughs> wow. Look at me. I'm so drab and boring that mango will never love me. And yet it's my dream that he will. Mango, I'm your knight in shining armor, and I love you. You have made me what I am, and I am yours. Alright, and we're back. Um, I liked that for Christopher Walken, but Mango, you have changed, good sir. You know, yeah, in, in a way that I yeah did not appreciate and really kind of is in defiance of the the ethos of Mango that has been established up to this point. For multiple reasons. One, I don't like the way he shabbily treats Leon, the janitor of the strip club. And two, is he dating Jimmy Fallon now? What is going on? Well, we've gotten three or four references to I'm not homo gay, and now he's just fucking Jimmy Fallon, which, for the record... Had we not had those references, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna date Jimmy Fallon because I'm Mango and I'm beyond sexuality. I'm whatever I want to be," 
I would be fine with that. But don't give me, why does everybody think I'm homo-gay, and now I'm fucking chugging on Jimmy Fallon's cum. Yeah, no, that was uh, a, a big part of the last one. Uh, or no, or maybe it was the first one we watched. I don't know. But there was one point where Mango is like, why, 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 why? Oh, wait, maybe I know why. No, why, why, why? Like, he's 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 almost homophobic. I mean, he's a little homophobic. At least yeah, more homophobic I, than you'd think a, a male stripper would be. And, and I mean, I guess to be fair, homophobia is typically... Uh, uh, you know, a symptom of latent uh, closeted homosexuality. So it's possible, much like every Republican, he is just, you know, you know, he's, he doth protest too much. I guess, but why didn't we get to see that? We, we, these sketches are in chronicolo- or chronological order. We didn't get to see a Mango Comes Out sketch. Also, th- just the idea of it, again, takes away from Mango should be better than this as a person. Yeah, I just yeah. did not. I I loved everything in this sketch other than Mango. Uh, all right, so this is Christopher Walken. He plays Leon the janitor. The janitor at a strip club. I, I wish we would have gotten more jokes about the fact that this character is the janitor at a strip club. Like, that's the grossest job you could have. <laughs> and he's such a like unassuming just nice guy too I like that <laughs> Walken is so great in this it reminded me of remember the Mr. Show sketch about the mom and pop porn store <laughs> yeah it was very much like that just like yes I have the worst grossest job in the world and it's you know sexual related but I'm just a down home guy <laughs> that he's talking about Mango's acting when you came out in a police uniform I got scared <laughs> But then you took your pants off, and I knew everything was going to be all right. And that's, I, and again, this is an interesting twist on this concept, is we've had all of these characters who have succumbed to their darkest impulses because of their not knowing how to deal with their obsession with Mango. We just had it with the Ben Affleck one of, like, you know, uh, he's wanting to fucking basically rape, her, rape him in a dark room and call him a bitch. And then we have J-Lo, and it's sort of like they're beta fish, you know, in the same tank. Whereas here, it's like, what if a a wholesome platonic love was created, but it's only one sided. I his like he's he respects Mango too much to be Ben Affleck and to just want to like pounce, but that respect backfires on him because Mango has no mutual respect for him, and it's a really dark premise. And it's almost sad because you know what I just realized? This is the first Mango sketch where someone is in love with Mango, but Mango hasn't hypnotized him. So this is pure, genuine love. I mean, he could have. He works at the strip club enough. He could have been hypnotized. But we don't see it happen. So as far as we know, this is just the most genuine love that anyone has ever had for Mango. And it's real. You know, that would have been an interesting twist if they'd made that explicit. Like, he doesn't even understand what's going on because, like, he's like... Because he's always been sort of semi-aware of what he's doing. Like, I'm going to do the thing with my fingers and hypnotize you, and then I'm going to act, like, appalled and surprised when you, like, try to come after me. It's like, he knows what he did. But, like, in this, he's, he's like, well, I never I never did that to you. I never sought to manipulate you because I didn't give you the time of day. I, why am I going to try to try to get the, the janitor to fall in love with me? And that's the twist is, no, I, I just love you for real. Like, they love you because you fuck, put the whammy on them. I love you for you. Yeah, no, and like that, and that's the first time that's ever happened in his life, and he doesn't know how to handle it. Oh no, but he just outright rejects it, or he does. He's not even rejecting it. He's just like, 
oh yeah, like I, I, he's not paying attention to Leon the janitor, which I didn't like. I, Mango, I think he he should be nicer to Leon. I, I don't know what I'm basing that assumption on of why I think higher of Mango. Because up to this point, homophobia aside, I feel like he's there, been an he outstanding always, gentleman. Not only that, but I feel like there has been a certain, a certain sort of uh, cosmic tragedy to Mango, where you know whether or not he knows what he's doing, there's a an aspect of him that he is he is sort of a, you know, a force of nature. You know, it's like when the siren sings and the the you know, the pirates follow the siren song and crash land. Like, they blame the siren for luring them there and stranding them. But, like, the siren was just fucking singing. You know, you were the dipshit that came to the island and crashed your fucking ship, and now you're dead. You know, the siren didn't do that to you. That's kind of how I feel about Mango. And and this Mango has sort of agency in the the rejection of Christopher Walken. And I feel like that... We've not had that before. He's never had that. And, I, and it doesn't feel... It doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, well, and there's also always a part of these Mango sketches where Mango's a little bit of a victim. I mean, like, I've always seen it as, like, he doesn't really truly know the extent of his powers. So when these men, like, Ben Affleck pounces on him, it's a little genuinely surprising, even though it happens all the time. But Mango's a victim in that. Like, Ben, you know, Ben Affleck's the villain in this. In this, Mango's the villain, and I, I don't know, I just, I didn't like it. This sketch made me dislike Mango. But I feel like there's always been a bit of complicity because he's always sort of leading them on and and keeping them on a leash, you know, like, you know, pushing and pulling. You know, he's giving them a little bit and then pulling away and saying, no, no, you don't get it out of the mango. But he I think he does know what he's doing. But there's also the element of he's doing it to bad people or rather people who react to his charms in very destructive ways. So he's punishing them for their own uh, obsession, whereas here it's much more platonic and good-natured and, and heartfelt, and, and that's what makes it wrong. Yeah. Um, what else about it? Well, let's get to the meat of this sketch. Is <laughs> Christopher Walken singing a song about Mango to the tune of, I, I believe it was, was it Lady? Lady. What is that song? I don't, I, I knew it's a song, but I couldn't place it. I think it's late. You have come into my life and made me whole. But he's singing it about Mango. And we get more movie references. Another little running joke with the Mango sketches. We get uh, Mango and Christopher Walken as Scarlet and Rhett from Gone with the Wind. Han Solo and Princess Leia from Star Wars. And then Lady and the Tramp featuring Horatio Sands as the Italian guy playing the accordion. Like... That's a role Horatio Sands was born to play. <laughs> and I mean, I, and again, I liked all this. Uh, this whole section was gold. Uh, it was the second half of the sketch where things went downhill. But on an emo- on a kind of deeper emotional <laughs> level, it's not even like poorly conceived sketch, which I would say J-Lo is kind of that. This is like, I get what it's doing and I don't like it. Yeah, no, after the, uh, the musical montage... Uh, we just cut back to the dressing room, and now Christopher Walken, as Leon the janitor, has jazzed up his janitor outfit. I like that he didn't go, like, overboard with it. Like, it's still the janitor outfit, just with a little more, like, sparkly, like, diamonds on it. Like, some sequins. But it's just, like, innocent puppy love. It's, you know, I yeah, can't he's... think of a reference point for it, but, like, yeah, like, you know, he loves Mango, 
but in a wholesome way. And this is his way of trying to relate to Mango on a romantic level. And it's just, mm-hmm. he's just shot down completely. Yeah, I, it was just so sweet. That one, we established that Leon is late for work. So, like, he was probably up late doing this. And it's just a simple thing. Like, he just put a little a little uh, sparkly collar on his janitor outfit. And he's like, yeah, this will impress Mango. It's so uh, yeah. sweet and sad. And then the, the the can we talk about the weird fucking ending? What what was that about? Oh yeah, could you hear what I couldn't hear what he was saying. I have no. I idea couldn't about, either. I but I, I think, would have to rewind it to understand it. Was that love roller coaster playing in the background? Uh yes. Yeah, I don't because it's like a it's not the credit sequence of the show. I don't think it was the credit sequence for the mango sketch. Yeah, no, it's not. The, this wasn't like the end of the show, and that was the good nights. Although that would be fun if they did that. If they just ended like the ten to one sketch, just with the good nights. But that's kind of what happens. Like they just the sketch ends uh, with Christopher Walken saying proudly saying he will go clean the poopy stains out of Mango's toilet, and then we come back to everybody celebrating. And yeah, Chris Kattan is shouting things, but I couldn't. I couldn't make it out, so I didn't know what they were celebrating. Now go clean the ring of poop around my toilet. <laughs> I will, Mango. I will. And cut. Yeah, no, I don't. I couldn't tell either. But I mean, it's clearly a reference to something. But well, this was the season finale, so maybe they were saying like that's the last mango sketch of the season. But that's not something to celebrate. Well, I mean, it's and maybe they just needed to do that to give this not such a sad ending (laughs) because it does end very sadly. If you take that out, this sketch would end with Christopher Walken going, "I will, Mango. I will clean the shit states out of your toilet." Which, I mean, I, I, again, as much as I don't like it on a visceral emotional level, as a piece of sort of cynical comedy, I think it does work. It accomplishes what it sets out to do. I just wasn't emotionally prepared for what that was. But just the idea of, like, this this character is the ultimate, like, whatever the, the mango franchise equivalent of Willie Loman is, just, like, <laughs> never going to catch a break. And he's like... He's going to clean the shit stains out of his underwear and that's the the best case scenario for his life. Like that's that's funny on a level that I'm just not ready for. No, like this mango sketch is not a failure. It's just not what I wanted from a mango sketch. But like I can't hate it for trying something new at least. I just don't like where it took the mango character. It was much just much darker than anything we've had with Mango up to this point. This is this is as Marvel fanboy as I get. I mean, <laughs> Ben Affleck just tried to rape Mango, and I'm like, no, this is where it got dark. <laughs> well, like when people bitch about like, oh, they changed Superman's look for the comic. I'm like, hey, you leave Mango alone. Mango doesn't act like this, Katan. Remember when uh, real-life sexual harasser uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was like, Mango, touch my ass. 
that yeah. happened and that wasn't that didn't make me feel bad nearly as much as this did now this was a sad you're not expecting a sad mango sketch so in a way i love it but at the same, I, while i was watching it i'm like fuck will you suck this man's cock please take leon the janitor in the back room and just suck his dick please do this do man think, a favor do you think leon the janitor is the top in this scenario I don't know. He just needs something. Give him a handy, you know? I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's definitely deferring. I feel like, if anything, he'd want to suck Mango's dick. I would let him do that, man. Just let him be happy. I mean, I'm not judging either way. I'm just saying. I feel like that was the vibe I was getting. Poor Leon the janitor. All right. So, Mango, you better straighten up your fucking act here. It's a new season. We got Can Gwyneth I just Paltrow say, hosting. I'm looking at the Gwyneth Paltrow freeze frame here. I'm dreading this a little bit. Uh, I remember this one being really bad, but I also remember this Gwyneth Paltrow episode being really bad. So, But I said I, before. I'm curious, because J-Lo, I remember, was with Ben Affleck. They they were... Well, I don't, I can't, I'm trying to remember what the, ac- the, the abbreviation of their two names was. Benifer. Benifer, that's Benifer, right. Benifer La- Lofleck. Did he? Oh, didn't he also date Gwyneth Paltrow at one point? Uh, yes, he did. Yeah, these mango sketches are oddly interconnected. Or wait, maybe Matt Damon did. No, I think it was Ben Affleck. Because yeah, they were Shakespeare and Love together too. And then I, I couldn't remember. I vaguely remember that, but I just thought that was a weird connection. But yeah, uh, not a Gwyneth Paltrow fan really, and uh, I don't anticipate this is going to be that good. Uh, yeah, see, we got Ben Affleck and two of his love interests uh, all <laughs> all head over heels for Mango. And remember uh, when he fucked Ellen DeGeneres? Uh, that's the next one. Uh, first, we got to sit through Gwyneth Paltrow from November 10th, 2001. Here's the 14th appearance of Mango. So you went out with Mango? Yeah, we went out in high school. Wow, what was he like? Yeah, tell us about it. Yeah, tell us. Yeah, tell us. Tell us. Tell us about so, it. you had a thing with Gwyneth Paltrow's? Wow, Mango. Yes, that's right. Oh, you have to give us the goods on that. Yeah, Mango, tell us all about it. Yeah, tell us about it, Mango. Well, summer lovers had me a blast. <laughs> he slapped his ass. I met the girl we made out all day. Looking back, I'm sure he was gay. Oh. We split up, that's how it goes. Got him once wearing some of my clothes. Well, oh, well, oh, well. And we're back. And here's a lesson to learn if you're ever on SNL. Know when to get out, because that is the 14th Mango sketch. We've watched 13 of these bad boys, and I'm like, what the fuck was wrong with everybody not liking Mango? Mango's awesome. That's how I remember Mango. Like, he just, he ruined it by hanging on a little too long, and now I only remember just disliking Mango, because I hated that. I'm sorry, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention to anything past the fucking January Jones moment. (laughs) That was, that was classy. (laughs) That froze me in my place for the entire sketch. I just kind of blanked out. And then I think Chris Kattan referenced the rape police. Uh, yeah, for Matt, this is all over the place. Like, what the fuck is going on here? We open up with Gwyneth Paltrow talking with Seth Meyers as Hugh Grant. 
Mango comes in. First off, fucking Seth Meyers. Was he even in the cast at this point? I think he was just a writer. Uh, no. This was like his first season. Holy shit. I just, I, so much is weird about this. Gwyneth Paltrow's performance, like, she's approached... Like, you know how, like, every actor who is in a Mango sketch does, like, an over-the-top, Mango! She's doing it like a real actress would, and that yeah. makes no fucking sense. She's, she's like, playing, Mango. She's Mango. She's playing this heartbroken. Uh, so, yeah, the premise of this is Gwyneth Paltrow and Mango dated in high school, but their relationship didn't work out, I guess because he's too gay? What the fuck is going on here? We get a Grease song parody where he says, boobies give me the creeps, and then he says, why does everybody think I'm the homo gay? And then he's dating Matt Damon, but he's like, I'm in love with you. Like, it's okay if you're confused about your sexuality, Mango, but, like, be fucking consistent. It's not okay if he's confused about his sexuality because he's clearly not confused about his sexuality. Exactly. He's fucking dating Matt Damon because that you can't. He's married. Wait, he's he also mentions his wife in this sketch. He tells Gwen Paltrow, "I would leave my wife for you," but then he's he's gonna go fuck Matt Damon, right? Mango, oh Gwenny, I'd do anything to get you back. I'd even leave my normal female wife for you. Mango, oh sweet. Sweet mango, don't you see? It would never work. Oh, but why? Why? Why, 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 why? I have a pretty good idea why. No, I don't. Why? Because I'm a big movie star, and and you get paid money to take off your clothes for Japanese businessmen. I guess you're right. I'll always love you, Fugu. And I will always love me, too. Well, I better get going. I have a date tonight with Matt Damon. You and Matt Damon? Hey, Mango. This and and this is a modern problem. This is a uh, we're in 2023 or 2024 now, and and we're watching this sketch where it's like, why is it a problem if he's fucking guys and ladies? Like, why can't that's he just be problem. pansexual or omnisexual? Well, no, but I think that's our confusion with it is like, why is this anything? No, my problem is not, like, Mango can fuck whoever he wants, but you have to be consistent. We have already established this character is straight as a fucking arrow, loves his wife and children. Yeah, he goes and dances for men, and sometimes they try to hump him, but, like, this is, we've lost track of the character and why I've enjoyed him. I'm sorry well, to dislike Mango. We lost it in the previous sketch with the Jimmy Fallon thing. Yeah. So that right, was like if he was a gay stripper, this sketch makes sense. But this sketch doesn't make sense when I've watched thirteen other Mango sketches. I know this character more than you do, apparently, Chris Kattan. And you know that that happens on occasion. Sometimes the writers lose track of their own characters. But this, it's just—I don't know because the the flashback we get with him in high school, the joke is he's a clearly he's an effeminate character but he's like a football jock and he's you know but that's not gay that's he you know he's just too manly but obviously he's not manly but then the song is all about how he's secretly gay but he's not secretly gay he's fucking matt damon yeah no it it makes no sense it's inconsistent not just with the 13 other mango sketches it's inconsistent with things it says in this sketch I just, yeah, and I don't understand what the reality of the sketch is or what it's even trying to establish. Like, I don't, it's not like I know what it tried to do, but it failed. I don't even know what it's trying to do. Yeah, it's all over the place. 
And uh, <laughs> on top of that, we have Gwyneth Paltrow giving a terrible performance. And at Holy one point, shit. during the uh, the Grease, another movie parody, we're singing Summer Nights, which again, it lost me. I know it's 2001, but when they had Will Ferrell and Tracy Morgan as the gay hairdressers, I'm like, come on, guys. I mean, that's unfucking necessary. I, I did like the <laughs> Will Ferrell just referring to Gwyneth Paltrow's agent as Gwyneth Paltrow's agent. That's a writer <laughs> gag of you're writing the script and you decide not to name the character and just hang a lampshade on that. I like yeah. that. Let's get out of here, Gwyneth Paltrow's agent. <laughs> <laughs> That was, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't like the gay stereotypes. Uh, but then they're singing "Summer Lovin'." Mango sings his verse, and then they cut to Gwyneth Paltrow, and she's like, Dah. "Which that's got to be worse than the January Jones thing, because oh, yeah. it's in the context of a song." January Jones, if you remember from that episode, people were listening. She like, I believe she looked off camera and went something like, "Is this my line or something?" She said, "What camera do I look in?" And then what she snapped. What camera in do I look see- at? But that and that and that was bad. That was very bad. But this fucked up a song that they were singing. Holy uh, shit! Yeah, and yeah, the sketch was just it wasn't good to begin with. Uh, and then Matt Damon comes out for a cameo. I, it starts off weird because Chris Kattan says the same line twice. He says like, um, "I'm meeting yep. Matt Damon." He's like, "His hands have been all over me," and then he says that again. So I think something got fucked up right at the beginning with the cue cards. Yeah, and that might have been it with the song as well, because yeah, that was that's definitely something, but it's just I don't know. I, I it's that was the was, most awkward moment I think I can remember in SNL. Yeah, it, it's just it's a very awkward. Just you know, I, I've praised these sketches for their epicness and their scene changes, and this one was really sloppy because we go to the flashback of them in high school. You couldn't have put a fucking flashback sound effect. Give me a little like something well, to indicate I will that say, we're going into a flashback. For what it's worth, I will say it is structurally ambitious. You have, you know, the, the the setup, then you have a flashback sequence, then you have a song, and then that goes into the Matt Damon set. Like it's 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 going in all different directions in a way that you know, we keep talking about how lazy current SNL is. This wasn't a lazy sketch. It was poorly executed, but I appreciated all the things it was trying to do. Yeah, I can't really, I can't call it lazy. I can just call it bad. <laughs> it is very it was just very poorly done because yeah. the people involved didn't seem to be up for it. I don't know. Again, Gwyneth Paltrow, I mean, I don't think she's a bad actress. I just, I don't, maybe she's just not good live. I don't know. I remember her bombing this entire episode. So, it, you know, it could have been an off night or maybe she's, you know, she's just not a live, she's not a natural live sketch performer. That's fine. You know, that's why movies have multiple takes. But yeah, then you should know that going in and not do it. That's true. I think she's hosted three times, and I've never liked any of her episodes. Um, there was one last thing I wanted to say. Oh, the only joke or the only laugh I got out of the sketch, because the sketch confused me, because Matt Damon comes in and he says, Hey, Gwyneth, you look amazing. I haven't seen you since we've broken up. And I'm thinking, Oh, wait, she dated Matt Damon? But then that's the joke. She's like, Yeah, yeah. Wait, you're not the one I dated. Like, she's confusing Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as well. So... They, they like played a joke on me and made me laugh. Well, and I, I have to assume that's kind of payback for the the Ben Affleck Matt Damon reference, which would have only been a few <laughs> years before this. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess. I guess that's a little payback in Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. I don't know. All right, anything else about this one? Yeah, I just I want to move on to the next one. 
Uh, yeah, well, I'm looking at Ellen DeGeneres, and again, I don't anticipate liking this, but I'm just morbidly curious as to what this could even be. Can I just say, is this the last sketch or the second to last sketch? Second, we have two more. Okay. Do, or as Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, would say, it's not a two more. I'm not yes-anding that. What, <laughs> what, is the la- what is the last sketch? The last one is Winona Ryder. Okay, another female. I just, because... And I guess we're not going to get it then. What I want, this is a variation on this sketch. Maybe it's one of the ones we didn't, I can't imagine it was one of the ones we didn't see. The, uh, to, to do a sketch where, where Mango tries to put the whammy on somebody and it doesn't work. And he's like, why aren't you obsessed with me? Like it, like the, a reversal of it where it's like some guy who doesn't care about Mango. Um, no, I don't think that's, that ever happens. I just, I feel like that's the one variation that I'm surprised we didn't get, given we've gotten all these different variations on Mango. Uh, yeah, other than uh, David Spade, but that's just because David Spade also has Mango powers that counteract it. Yeah, yeah he was another kind of Mango. Yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't sort of count that because, yeah, it's it's clearly a, a different kind of Mango. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, because is, is, is that going to be the joke with Ellen DeGeneres? She's obviously a lesbian, so <laughs> does she is she unaffected by Mango or... Is it that she's a lesbian, but she still loves Mango? Uh, well, we'll see from the uh, December 15th, 2001 episode hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. I don't know what she was doing in 2000, because this was like before her talk show, or maybe it was the launch of her talk show. No, that seems too early for a talk show, but it's I probably post-Ellen cancellation. I think it was uh, uh, the re-release of Mr. Wrong. It did so well that in theaters had, that they brought it back into the that had to have been it. Mr. Wrong is now available on Betamax. She's like, can I go on SNL to promote it? <laughs> yeah, uh, they, so br- yeah. they brought back the entire medium of Betamax just for Mr. Wrong. <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know what she was doing in 2001 other than hosting SNL uh, on December 15th. So are you ready to push play on this one? Sure. Mango, do you know Ellen? Uh, why no, but I must say, uh, you're really great on Just Shoot Me. Hi, Ellen. How are you? Good to see you. Wow, those are uh, some tight shorts. I don't know if I've seen shorts that tight before. I mean, I have, but when I saw them before, I guess I thought I knew, but now I don't. Am I blushing? But I'm not easy! Or am I? Goodbye! Mango. Ellen? You alright? Mango. Mango. Alright, and we're back, and yeah, I told you Mango has diminishing returns. Unless, did you, did you like it? I hated it. I thought that was a vast improvement on the previous few sketches. Uh, not up to the peak of Mango that we were at before, but I gotta say, this felt more like the Mango I love. It's just, it's a it's a steep climb back up from, from the shit of the last ones. But, like, you have the weird random movie reference, this time to A Hard Day's Night. You have Mango is back to being a pansexual imp who you know, is beyond normal conceptions of the gender dynamic or the gender uh, binary. I, th- I think all of that worked for me, except once again, fucking 
Charlie Rose. Why are we? <laughs> why do we keep getting these fucking me too motherfuckers? Well, it was Jeff Richards as Charlie Rose, but I did appreciate the line, Charlie Rose. What do you know about love? Well, not a, not you know non problematic love, <laughs> and and of course Ellen DeGeneres has had her own problems, not necessarily sexually, but you know with being a huge piece of shit as a human being and, and it's just her and Charlie Rose in the same fucking room together there's a lot of ouchie there uh, yeah this was weird okay so Ellen DeGeneres is having a meeting with her agent uh, Mango walks in Ellen is smitten and she, again not hypnotized uh, so this is just genuine attraction uh, I think we're playing with the I think it's just we're playing with the fact that Ellen's a lesbian and Mango is, I guess, canonically gay now. And when they kiss, it it makes sense. I don't know. It was 2001. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. No, see, that's the thing. And I, I can't go along with it now. The, the fact is, Chris Kattan doesn't understand the magical lore established by the Mango universe. Even yeah, though he, like he forgot it. who the character was. I think at this point he thinks he doesn't need to actually hypnotize people in order to get them obsessed with him. That it just his presence does it, which that's not how it like she stares into like the glitter of his of his short shorts and it's as if it's the same effect as him putting the whammy on her. But no, he has to put the whammy like it's 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 definitely like a mythological problem at this point. Yeah, I just I I liked that dynamic that Mango had to hypnotize you you know he had to make the choice to hypnotize you and then he would always regret it it was just an interesting part of his character but now that it's just like oh everyone's just sexually attracted to mango i don't know it loses a little something yes in the larger scope of of mango as a character it definitely does i will say in the context of this sketch i did like bringing it back to him explicitly saying you know, you don't understand. I'm Mango. I am beyond gay or lesbian or straight. Like, that is a, a, a very good antidote to why does everybody think I'm the homo gay, which every time... Like, it got to the point where, like, he clearly thought that was a running joke. And, it, like, that's not the joke of Mango. I don't know why you think it is, Chris Kattan. But this felt more like, oh, now he understands it a little better. No, I, I don't know. I think the joke was just like, oh, we have Ellen DeGeneres hosting the show. What if she falls in love with Mango because Mango could turn a lesbian straight? I think that's the joke that they were working with. Well, I mean, and I, I kind of forgive it a little bit because I'm I'm assuming this was in the midst of the Ellen as tabloid lesbian thing with her and... Uh, I um, don't think so. That was like 97. And this is 2001. That's, I also just... I said before we watched this sketch, what the fuck was Ellen doing in 2001? At the beginning of the sketch, Will Ferrell's like, oh, we loved you on the Emmys. So I guess she just hosted the Emmys. See, but I think that the tab that tabloid era of Ellen's career was a lot longer than just, like, coming out on the show. There was also the Anne Hayes stuff and the Portia de Rossi yeah. stuff. Like, I, she was a fixture of, like, tabloid lesbianism. I mean, I, there, there's got to be a better word for that. But, like, she was, like, a cause celeb for, like, you know just like being a public lesbian for, for a long time before we were like, Oh, who gives a shit if somebody's a lesbian? Like she was, you know, so I feel like that was still going on around this time. And this is at least on some level, a commentary on that. Yeah. I guess like even in 2001, it's like, what's Ellen DeGeneres famous for? Oh, still just being a lesbian. Like that's the only, that's what she's famous for. 
So, like, that's what we all recognize her as. Just the most famous lesbian. Which is, it's a testament to our time now that she can be famous for just being a piece of shit to her employees. And the fact that she happens to be a lesbian uh, doesn't even factor into it. That, sir, is what you call progress. And I did love that reference to the, the, the organization of powerful women who happen to be lesbians. Another Bruce Valanche. This time Horatio Sands is Bruce Valanche. Which is so Probably fucking Probably my only laugh. Was Daryl Hammond not on the show anymore? He must not have been. Because that's so crazy that Horatio Sands was Cameron Mannheim in the same sketch as Bruce Valanche, and now, and now Horatio Sands is Bruce Valanche in a sketch that doesn't have Daryl Hammond, which made me think he had to be off the show at that point. No, because he left the same year as Will Ferrell. Or the, the, yeah, there was never a time where Will Ferrell was on the show and Daryl Hammond wasn't. But there was a time where Daryl Hammond was in rehab a lot. So okay, this may have been one of those episodes he missed. But I think Horatio Sands as Bruce Valanche is a step up. Well, and I feel like we got distracted by the Cameron Mannheim of it all. I feel like... Of course he should be Bruce Valanche. You could get somebody else. It didn't have to be Cameron Manheim. could have been anybody. Fucking, you have Horatio Sands, you're putting Bruce Valanche in a sketch, and you don't put two and two together? I know. We're, we're talking about a lot of Me Too people, you know. We had Cuba Gooding, Matt Lauer. Horatio Sands has been in all of these sketches, and we haven't even brought that up. I mean, I was sort of taking it for granted because he was in the cast. It wasn't like he was brought in specifically. or <laughs> Like, it didn't need to be Charlie Rose. It could have been fucking anybody. It didn't need to be Matt Lauer. It was fucking Matt Lauer. That's Horatio, just a fucking they were, weird coincidence. They were already paying Horatio Sands. That's such a weird coincidence that we've had two celebrity... Well, I guess one was an impression, but two impressions or appearances of television interviewers in these sketches. And they've been Matt Lauer and Charlie Rose. And Dallin DeGeneres, a television interview, has since been canceled. Uh, um, so yeah, I love Teresio Sands as Bruce Valange. Um, but that's, and then I kind of got like into it when uh, Mango hypnotized a room full of lesbians. But then the Hard Day's Night parody, fuck all of that shit. I didn't as like a- it at one bit. You know, here's the thing with it. I, as a specific reference point, no, I don't care about Hard Day's Night, and it's not like the jokes in it were necessarily funny. But its presence in the sketch, it's like a weird, like, comforting warm blanket now. Just like a weird, random, completely out-of-nowhere movie reference. Like, that's just a thing in a Mango sketch. Because that's not something I ever associated with Mango, but now that I do, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting and novel in itself. Yeah, it felt too Family Guy for me. Just like random movie reference, you know, for no reason. It's a hard day's night. Why a hard day's night over anything else? There's no make, but it does fit in with the world of the manga. They always do throw a random movie reference in. I guess Bef- still doesn't make it not a Family Guy joke. Before the so- well, before the song, I thought it was going to be a graduate reference. I thought they were going to do, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Mrs. Robinson. I would think I would have liked that. Yeah, I think I would have been better. <laughs> I don't know. It just it wasn't fun either. It's a, and I've seen Hard Day's Night parodies before. It's not like it's a a new parody. It's like yeah, I've seen people do this. But it's it's, it's just the, the the obscurity and specificity of it being a Hard Day's Night, not really connected to anything else. Like you say, Family Guy joke, but I I don't know that that obscurity is kind of why I appreciate it. I don't necessarily like it, but I'm like I. I don't know. It, it it feels like old mango. It doesn't feel like I'm just cringing at him being homophobic. 
I guess, but I still think it was funny. Uh, and then we break the fourth wall at the end, too, just to have Ellen and Mango wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Which they've done that multiple times in these sketches, which is, again, another just kind of weird trend that, like, when we thought of Mango, we thought of, you, you can't have a Domango, and that was it, like, that whole thing. And we, we underestimated these, and now we have all these other weird sort of, you know, routines that, like, I didn't remember would ever be associated with Mango. I think that's interesting. It's weird. And then now we've also brought up, we didn't mention this, but this was in the, uh, I think it was in the Christopher Walken one, where Mango starts doing commercials, and he's like, yeah, I'm putting on my makeup, or I'm taking off my makeup with my Clinique makeup remover. And then the next scene, he's like, Horatio Sands is like, I got a dump truck of Clinique makeup remover. And in this one, he does the thing with the Mango movie. So it's like, now M- Mango is turning into Mr. Subliminal, where he's like, there's no Mango movie. Oh, no? Wink. And then there's a headline that says, everyone clamoring for a Mango movie. So it's like he's hypnotizing the audience somehow now. But it's what I'm what I'm appreciating, I think, about these mango sketches is I'm kind of stepping back and imagine Chris Catan writing them. And I'm I'm just appreciating that he's all he seems to be always he always has the presence of mind to be like, I just gotta throw in some weird fucking shit into this because I don't want it to be just a carbon copy of the previous thing. And it's like nobody ever did that. Rob Schneider never approached a fucking Richmeister sketch and was like, I gotta make this different than the previous Richmeister sketch. Never gave a shit. Chris Catan, whether it sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it feels like he always gives a shit. He's always trying to make it different, and I appreciate that. I, I feel respected as an audience member, even if I'm not necessarily liking that that version of the sketch. I don't know. I think I got to disagree. These last two mango sketches have felt very cut and paste to me. I don't know. I, I just, I feel like, I, I don't know. I feel rewarded as an audience member watching these in the, in the way we're doing it, which is not the way you're supposed to do it. I feel rewarded in a way that, that I feel like you wouldn't, you wouldn't keep track of this and, and necessarily register this trend of, of uniqueness and novelty if you were just, you know, watching them as they aired. I, I really think we're running out of steam on Mango, personally. We uh, got one more sketch. We can't be running out of steam, literally. It's good that... No, I mean, uh, Mango is running out of steam as a character at this point. But it took a while. Like, it took till the 13th Mango sketch before I was like, yeah, no, I think we've had enough Mango. But here's the thing. Like, you're talking about, like, the Gwyneth Foucher sketch. It didn't work, but it wasn't... Same, you know, Sim Sammy, you know, fucking everything, just like every other mango sketch. It was weird and and different and unique. It just didn't work. It wasn't executed well. They didn't pull it off. The ambition wasn't realized, but the ambition was there. That's what I'm saying. The ambition is always there to just give you something a little bit different so it's not just exactly the same thing. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, I gotta, I gotta respect it for that. I just, yeah, I think we're losing track of the character. I think we're, uh, you know, we're just hitting some beats too often. Uh, and yeah, I just think the character's becoming just inconsistent. I'm still of the mind that had we gotten a Mango movie, it might have been a, a classic. I think we missed an opportunity. I would not be opposed to a Mango movie, honestly. As long as you fill it with, like, interesting characters. Because that's the thing, like... The Mango himself, I don't mind, but, like, the true star of these have been, like, Danny DeVito, Christopher Walken, like, the people obsessed with Mango. 
And, you know, I, th- I feel like the other thing is, if you were going to do a Mango movie, the best premise has already been done as one of the sketches. I think the, the, the Dylan McDermott one, you know, if it's if you don't do the being there thing I pitched pre- previously, him as the target of a stalker. But they've already and they've already done that in an SNL movie with It's Pat. The, the third act of It's Pat is kind of what I'm imagining the Mango movie would be. Somebody gets too obsessed and comes after him. So I don't yeah, I don't know what it would what what a good Mango movie would be at this point. Well, I think in keeping in line with the sketches, a good Mango movie would have parodies of other movies. And, like, how more meta would it be if it parodied its Pat? <laughs> if an SNL movie parodied another SNL movie. Oh, and that's the other thing. But I keep going back to thinking of what the Mango movie would be. Because clearly Chris Kattan is, like, all over these movie references. And I feel like that would be so weird to just have him try to write a Mango. Even, like, today, like, Mango comes back as an old man. How fucking awesome would that be? I mean, well, I mean, if, if you saw Chris Kattan on Dancing with the Stars, you would know it's not awesome. But maybe make it about that. Maybe maybe make That's it autobiographical, true, like he Mango broke his back and broke his neck and can't dance like the Mango anymore. And he's got to figure out who is he without the powers of Mango. I, You know what? Chris Kattan, if you're out there listening and you want to write a Mango movie... I can't fund it, but if I could, I would. I would give you money for the Mango that's, movie. That's that's the fucking Mango movie. It's just like a like a meta reference about Chris Kattan's life, you know, as if he were Mango. That would be fuck. I was joking before, but that's fucking awesome. Kind of like a kind of in the style of like a unbearable weight of massive talent or something. But yeah, but Where I would Chris say Chris Kattan like, can play Chris Kattan and he can play Mango. Maybe he has to go to like a Mango fan convention. I see. I don't know. I would play it a little more straight than that. Like the the meta would be in the premise, not necessarily in like him meeting himself. I'm just like like it's about it mirrors his life, but he's he's Mango, but he's a Mango that has literally broken his body in the service of being Mango and can no longer be Mango anymore. And he has to like grapple with you know just like Chris Kattan, presumably in his actual life, is grappling with who he was versus who he is now. Do that as the story of Mango, but in the guise of Mango. Yeah. Yeah. I would watch that. That's blowing my mind. Nobody else would want to watch that. That's a movie just for two people. (laughs) (laughs) The MPAA has rated this not suitable for anyone other than two guys who watched all the manga sketches in one of this. And maybe they've gone insane because they've watched every Mango sketch in a row, and now all they can think of is Mango. They, we shouldn't be listening to these people about what movies to make. We show up to the premiere of the Mango movie. <laughs> it's just us. And then it turns out there was never a movie. It was just a trap to, to, to put us in an asylum. <laughs> this wasn't a movie. This was an intervention. <laughs> Ah, uh, you've watched too much mango. You can't have it a mango. I needed a mango. All right, so one last mango sketch. This is from May eighteenth, two thousand two. I believe this was definitely the season finale, but it was not Chris Kattan's final episode. But it is the last episode of Mango. Are you ready for one last one? I'm ready. So what do you Listen, think? What? Does this make me look fat? Moby, you are so not fat. What is wrong with you today? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, there you guys are. I'm almost done. How'd you guys do? Well, 
I think I'm gonna get this sweater. Oh, that's nice. I need to get these. Oh. oh, I don't believe this. I totally forgot my wallet. Oh, that's okay, Mango. I can spot you. Oh, no, I don't have my wallet either. Wait, Winona, could you lend us some money? You guys are not gonna believe this, but I don't have my wallet either. Hey, I know. Why don't we just steal this stuff? That's a great idea. I'm up for it. You, Winona? You guys, absolutely not. I'm ashamed of you both. Stealing is wrong. I guess I see your point, Winona. Well, what the frick? Let's steal this stuff. Shop the thing's cool. Yeah, good call, Mango. You go first. Okay. The coach is there. Go, okay. we're right behind you. Go. What the? Who, what? Who, what, what? You're under arrest. And we are back for the final time. Uh did not like that, felt that was pointless, that didn't even need to be Mango. No, okay, I, I want to throw this out here, because we were like, what was Ellen DeGeneres doing at this time? What is she promoting to be on SNL? Was Winona Ryder promoting the fact that she was shoplifting? <laughs> was so. that was that why she was on SNL that week? I honest, uh, no joke, I believe it was. Like, you know, Winona Ryder... Uh, Maybe she served a little bit, like, probably, like, if she served any jail time, it was, like, two weeks or something. But she got arrested for shoplifting, and I believe this was, like, kind of just her comeback. It was just, like, hey, we can, like, Winona Ryder's sorry, and she's going to host SNL. I don't know if she even had a movie coming out. Uh, yeah, and it's, I mean, and I don't care. I'm not, like, condemning her morally or anything. It's just, it's so weird, because, like, I'm almost certain she wasn't in, like, a big movie around this time. No, but, I mean, the show has done that before, you know, tabloid fodder as host. You know, we watched the Nancy Kerrigan episode. The I guess. She was in but she was, SNL. She, she was also, I don't know, she was also in the Olympics. Yeah, but <laughs> Nancy Kerrigan hosted SNL and she didn't get fucking kneecap. I don't know, I'm I, just saying, yeah. I feel like there was some something there more than you know, that. Fucking, you've never seen SNL host... Oksana Bayul. Did they reference... I don't remember that. Did they ever even reference that at all in that episode? Tanya Harding? Yeah. Yeah, I do. In the monologue. Well, no. I mean, not directly, but indirectly. Because I, I feel like, you know, this, obviously, they're referencing... Like, any time they do that now, they would have to reference it. They would have a whole sketch uh, about it. Yeah, no. There, there was surprisingly little Tanya Harding in the Nancy Kerrigan episode, if I... I might be missing something. There was plenty of skating, but only like the, I think one or two Tanya Harding references. And also, uh, I'm going to throw this out here. I think Moby has since been me too. I think he like propositioned a minor or something. Oh, really? Yeah, Moby's in this too. Yeah, this is Winona Ryder. They're making this sketch. We've lost complete uh, track of the Mango character, in my opinion. Here, Winona Ryder's having a meeting with her agent. Will Ferrell is pitching Little Women to Bigger Women. I think that's the only laugh I got, which is Will Ferrell pitching that movie. And then Mango calls up, and then Moby calls up, and the three of them go on a little shopping date. Uh, none of them have their wallets. Winona, uh, I think Mango is the one who's like, hey, let's steal this stuff. He gets caught and arrested, and then Winona Ryder and Moby are like, we don't know who Mango is. And then there's just a scene of Winona Ryder and Mango having a prison phone call, and they make out through the glass. Like, if Chris Kattan was not playing Mango and just playing another character, this sketch would be exactly the same. There's, there's no fucking Mango in it. Well, and there's a couple things I want to th- I want to just, you know, kind of touch on. Uh, 
in the the phone conversation before they get to the store, we get another kind of no homo thing where it's like, I want a three. He's a want a three way, but he's talking about a three way call between him, Moby, and Winona Ryder. But then you just have two dudes and their packages come into frame, and he's like, not that kind of three way. Like, but he has them like there at the ready for whenever he says three way, two dudes' dicks can just come into his face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's a no homo joke. I think we're just now. Now that we're in this, we've just lost track of the character, and now he's just a gay stripper who's also himself homosexual. I think that's the joke we're playing with Mango. I, this like this isn't the Mango I grew to love over eleven sketches. No, and then he also references having Bruce Valanche on retainer <laughs> as a comedy writer. We didn't get him in the sketch. I don't know if Horatio Sands was still on the show at this point. He had to have been, but yeah, we do get another Bruce Valanche reference. I, I appreciated that. I just like that Chris Kattan is throwing in references to Bruce Valanche in like four of these fucking sketches. <laughs> uh, I, well, again, I think that's a little bit of the lazy cut and paste of these. You know, uh, I I will say, did I expect to like any Mango sketch when we first started this? No, that's why I picked it. I thought it would be funny if we watched something that sucked. I'm very surprised that I liked Mango. I'm hugely surprised that it took 11 sketches for me to dislike Mango. But yeah, I I did I not did not like it all these last three. The Walkin one I only liked because of Walkin, but and the Jango one I didn't like. Mango Part Two has just had diminishing returns for me personally. And for the record, I'm not even dismissing your trajectory that you're on as far as not liking Mango. I just feel like I've. I'm even defending some of the mango that you're rejecting. You know, I, I, I still think there's merit. I, I mean, I don't disagree that they got worse and worse in the second half, but I don't know. There's still something about the world of mango that is interesting to me, even when it fails on an individual basis. I don't, like, I didn't hate watching all of these. I just... The, the stupid thing about this is I don't dislike these, these last couple sketches because they're less funny. I mean, they are less funny. I dislike these last couple Mango sketches because I don't think they're true to the Mango character. That's the thing. We didn't anticipate investing at all emotionally in Mango as a character. So then once he, once Chris Kattan, because again, I'm assuming he's writing all these sketches, he betrays his own character that he worked hard to make us fall in love with. And it feels like a betrayal, which we, I, I feel like none of us thought, saw that coming. Yeah, to the point where the last Mango sketch, I'm like... Do you even are you even playing Mango, or are you just playing a different character who also wears gold lame short shorts? Because sir, this is not Mango. I'm I assume, no Mango, and you are no Mango. I assume the thing at the end with them making out through the glass is another movie reference. Just not. I mean, I know that they play the song from Officer and a Gentleman, but yeah. Uh, but I'm assuming I, that image of them that's probably like I don't know, Wild at Heart or something. I. Uh, they do that in Midnight Express. In Midnight Express, she uh, presses her her breast against the the glass, and he like feels her breast through the glass. So it might be a reference to that. But they're playing up where we belong from Officer and a Gentleman, which there's no prison scene in that movie. So they're mixing two movie references, I think. I well, I didn't pick up on the Midnight Express reference. I just heard the song. But yeah, I, I just assumed it was way too specific a thing to not be a movie reference at this point. Uh, yeah, no, and that's that's all I got, man. I'm sad that these mango sketches let me down at the end. I'm, I guess I don't know what I'm more upset with: the fact that mango let me down, or the fact that mango built me up to begin with. Well, as with all things in my life, I blame Moby. 
It's true. Moby did suck in this. He added nothing. Uh, he's wearing an I Heart Eminem shirt because that's cute and funny. Yeah, we're getting it. This is also when not only these Mango sketches are hitting the skids, this is also when SNL started hitting the skids for me. Uh, you know, Will Ferrell, this is Will Ferrell's last episode, this Winona Ryder one. Uh, and then they get very pop culture-y. I mean, there's just a lot of like Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys sketches, you know. It's it's that era of SNL that I just, ugh, I don't like. Post-Ferrell pre-hater. And I want to, I just want to state this. I'm not 100% certain about the Moby propositioning of my thing. If you can find some kind of clip to put in here to confirm that, if you can find, but if you can't find it, just, just put in Ben Affleck going, my demon. Wait, what clip do you think I'm going to find? I don't know, like a news segment of like Charlie, fucking... maybe Charlie Rose interviewing Moby going, hey, did you fucking, fucking try to proposition that girl? Or just actual tape recording of a little boy going, hello, Mr. Moby. I'm sure there was like a news report about it or something. Now, anything else about Mango before we get off this shit? I, you know, yeah, I think you put the nail on the head, which is we didn't expect to be built up as much as we have been, and we could only be let down as much as we are now because we were built up to begin with. So it's like, you know, better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all, you know? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, it's... A- it's a success. I would call it a success and a failure that just had diminishing returns. And I, I think I said this last Mango episode, but that that was Chris Kattan, not just his characters, but him as well. Like, this was the last Mango sketch we watched. He has another season on the show where, like, now all of his characters have just run the course and he's just still there. And it's like that last season with Kattan, just, you're just like, why the fuck are you still here, man? Like, you had your peak and you... You ran it into the ground and then stayed there. You beat the dead horse and then you fucking jerked off on the dead horse. Like, you already beat it. It's fucking dead, man. And, you know, but it's it's just like I, I, I still value the experience. Because, again, we were both in the same place. Prior to this, we were like, hey, remember Mango? That sucked. I hate that. Won't it be fun to hate Mango for however long we were planning on it? We we set this up as like we're going to give up at some point because Mango is so unbearable. And instead, we're at the end of our second part of this where we're like, you know, okay, yeah, Mango sucked eventually, but I don't regret the experience of exploring the Mango universe. And I think that just the fact that I'm there and I'm surprised to be here, that's that that's enough to call this a win for me. Well, uh, so my plan for next week, because we were originally going to watch Loquisha, uh, I was going to pitch that we watch all the sketches of Starkeisha, Finesse Mitchell's. We can still uh, do that if you want. Sassy black woman character. So I'll leave it up to you, because that's fucking bad. There's not going to be any... In any reality, are we going to go, you know who's an underrated SNL character? Starkeisha. And I was going to pair it with Keenan Thompson's uh, SNL black woman character, Virginia Hastings. How many sketches would that be? It would be nine altogether. There's four Starkeishas and five Virginia Hastings. I mean, I'm up for it, and it's your choice. I don't want to pollute your choice. But can I throw out something to you? Well, that was going to be a payback pick for Loquisha, but since we didn't watch Loquisha, I have nothing to pay you back for, so... I feel like I deserve it regardless, just for suggesting Loquisha. 
But you, it's your pick regardless. I don't want to pollute your pick. But I can I throw out a pitch to you? Because this would be my pick, but it would be a potential series that we might do like every other week whenever it's my pick. Or might just do one of them and not, and not do it ever again. It's a Jim Belushi thing. And, you know, we did our whole series on Twin Peaks, right? Uh-huh. Have you ever seen Wild Palms? Uh, no. Apparently, and I didn't know this, Wild Palms, it's a five-episode miniseries produced by Oliver Stone starring Jim Belushi, and it was picked up by ABC after they canceled Twin Peaks because they were like, oh, we fucked up with that, but we're going to get some other weird sci-fi thing, but we want a definitive end point. We don't want to do it like with Twin Peaks where it's like, you know, we're struggling to get them to end the thing and reveal shit. So it's a, we're going to say it has to have a beginning, middle, and end, five episodes. So that's all it is. It's a five-hour thing. But it's five discrete episodes, so I thought we could do almost sort of like similar to you know, what we've intended with Mango. We watch the first episode of Wild Palms. It doesn't have to be next week. It could be the week after. And then we decide, do we want to go further with this or not? Uh, I mean, Well, let me look at like a trailer for it. <laughs> like, look in to see what it looks like before I commit to watching it. I, I just thought... to watching it sight unseen, just having heard of the title. <laughs> Just because it's been compared to Twin Peaks, but like Oliver Stone's version of Twin Peaks and starring Jim Belushi. I just, I feel like that's right up our alley. Uh, yeah, I'll, I will look into that and see. So, uh, and it's all, right, all on so, YouTube as well. It's all free on YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. Uh, all right. Well. I mean, you, okay, can, you can spin the wheel if you like. Well, I did. Uh, star Keisha or... Um, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to throw out three movie titles. See if any of these... Johnny Dangerously, starring Joe Piscopo. Uh, I've seen it. A... I don't hate that movie at all, by any means. I just feel like I don't know that there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah, no, I know. Th- I think that's actually halfway decent. Pay It Forward, featuring Jay Moore. Holy shit. I've always been morbidly curious about that movie, and that's the opposite. I don't think it'll be a fun watch, but I feel like we will have... Plus, it's Kevin Spacey and, like, a heartwarming fucking... I feel like we got some shit there. And I think it goes in crazy directions, too. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've never Uh, seen it. Or or The Brave Little Toaster Goes to Mars. (laughs) Okay, fuck you. Why is that even on this goddamn wheel, you fucking asshole? Ugh... One day, one day, we're going to watch The Brave Little Toaster go to Mars. I mean, uh, honestly, right. out of all those, I I kind of think Pay It Forward. That's the one I'm most curious about. All right, I can check that out, featuring SNL alum Jay Moore. Are you sure you don't want to watch four Star Keisha sketches? You know, just so, so shortly after Mango, I, I, don't want to, I don't want my heart to break because it's like I was set up to love something and, you know. Yeah. We, well, and like I said, Star Keisha was just going to be a revenge pick because... If we watch, I mean, there's no way I'm not going to hate Starkeisha and Virginia Hastings. And I won't like talking about them either because they're also kind of vaguely racist in that early 2000s way. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if that I'm really up for that either. So I'm, I'm saying yeah. I'm saying pay it forward. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'm down for that. Kevin Spacey, Helen Hunt. Haley Joel Osment. Who was Jay referenced Moore. in one of these uh, uh, mango sketches. That's Apparently, true. a young Haley Joel Osment, an underage Haley Joel Osment was like, I want to fuck mango off screen. In mango's defense, mango said he was too young for him. But yes, Haley Joel Osment did one of the mango at one point. But yeah, so let's watch him uh, one of the Kevin Spacey. Ooh, ooh, that's, that's Kevin Spacey and a little boy. 
Is this going to be his another were, sister scenario? His weren't little boys, though. His were older boys. <laughs> it's still wrong, but there's a difference between little boy and older boy. I just, I don't, like, is this going to be another episode that we can't air for some reason? Well, you can, bu- you can <laughs> put the other sister and fucking white chicks up, by the way, if you want to edit those. I will, but once I edit them. But I didn't know if you were, like, just not going to hear them at all because they almost killed the podcast. Well, I wanted to listen to them first, but, I mean, I'll listen to them when I edit them. When I get around to editing them, I'll put them up. But out of this, I mean, it's good. there's going to be an, a yuck factor, but I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, all right. So, pay it forward next week. A bit of failed Oscar bait from... Uh, yeah, this that's the other fun thing about this, is that this movie's supposed to be really shitty. But like keeping the mu- in the back of your mind that they were gunning for some Academy Awards with this shit. Well, I feel like there was a couple years after American Beauty where every Kevin Spacey movie, because like there was this, The Life of David Gale, and it was like K-Pax. Just, K- yeah, just trying to like get that Oscar buzz back, and it's like that, none news. of that shit was working. Yeah, he had a bunch of failed. Like maybe this will get Kevin Spacey his third Oscar. Oh, this is a yeah, his Bobby Darren movie that he directed. Yeah. Uh, Alright, so that'll be next week. Until we see you again, get, get off the shed. You have gone and made me such a fool. I'm so lost in your life. into my life and made me whole.